Welcome back to another episode of Laugh Your Way to the Top Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Austin Fain, and joining me today is Mari Cooch. You're not gonna, even if I said it wrong, you'd be like, that's fucking straight, bro. You're like, you're good. good. Clutch. Thanks. Um, today, we're going to talk about some roofing installations. Uh, we're going to talk about what it takes to run a crew. Uh, we're going to learn a little bit about Mari. Um, and uh, yeah, Mari, thanks for coming back tonight after a yeah. long day at work and thanks talking for with me. me. Yeah. So uh, I know that you're a little bit nervous to try to convince you that it's just going to be a conversation between us boys. We are usually just sit at my desk and do this. We might as well do this in front of the camera. Yeah. So that someone else can get some kind of like uh, use out of this, mm-hmm. right? So like the whole point of this is uh, is that someone watches this and goes, "Oh yeah." So I was like, "Let's have an aha moment or two. Um, Mari, what do you do for Perfect Steel Solutions? So I run the roofing installation portion of Perfect Steel. So uh, where the jobs get sold, uh, they then turn into um ryan then ryan is actually our sales manager and it comes to me uh and then i schedule the houses to get installed coordinate with the customers uh hire train perfect steel uh roofers all in-house whereas that's why i'm here you do Uh, all the real man work yeah yeah so the heavy lifting of the company i suppose yeah i suppose yeah, just, well, you know, it say takes, you're better than the rest of them. It takes a just village to get. Say you're better than Ryan. Nope. <laughs> like, I don't oh, want to go down. Like, that. I won't even do it either. Yep, won't do it. Although yeah. I did look at my last podcast and uh, my it was like two or three episodes ago. Turned out really good. Yeah, I don't doubt it. Ryan might be making to a mean Ryan, me and Jimmy's podcast, me and Ryan's podcast, doing well. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully this uh, this is number one now. This will be the new number one. So. You want to talk about what you fucking hate about this job? Well, uh, I mean, it, it's all. <laughs> it's, it puts you on the spot. Yeah, now. there's so many different areas that I hate and love at the same time. You know, it, let's talk about a little bit about your background. Um, I'll try to set you up, well, but because uh, I want to play with you, because I know you're nervous, so I'm like, oh, man, tell me your deepest darkest secrets. Uh, so how did I how did I come to uh, get you at Perfect Steel? Like, what did you do before this? Like, interesting background. Um, you grew up in Fort Wayne, mm-hmm. and that was kind of an interesting work environment that you grew up in. And then, how did you get to the job before this one? To the job before this one. Yeah. So I don't know where to begin. Come on, so, man, take us yeah. back to the no, old yeah, donut old, shop, old donut shop. That's that's where I would. So my parents, uh, they started out um owning a piece of tom's donuts franchise and you know grew up little kid whereas most kids would have the childhood of going to the park and playing ball and i did that but my dad would show up every day also at one o'clock in the afternoon time to make the donuts because we would make it for tomorrow morning and all that good stuff so eight years old man i was slanging i was slanging them i was making them like just learning the trade so that was that was what you knew how to make fresh made donuts by hand at eight years old at eight years old yeah until i was old enough to lift the big old dough and put it on the table roll them out i mean it was closer to driving age so then i would be the one doing that and it was fun i get why they did that but man it seemed like that was the trajectory they chose for me yeah from eight till 
18. 8 to 18. 8 to 18. Donuts were life. Bro. It was life. And I said, you know what? I seen all my friends doing the fun stuff. They'd come pick me up at 11, 12 in the morning to go out and party high school. Just right, go right, out right. and do it. And, you know, they were they stuck by my side. They knew what I had to do and love them that we still hang out today. And they, you know, it's cool. I keep really close tabs on my childhood friends like that. So, yeah. yeah. Stay away from donuts now. You have enough yeah, I, my I dad still. I, I don't see you eat that many donuts. Yeah, it it's one of those things like you hear uh, the American kids say, I don't want to eat hamburgers and hot dogs because I was raised on it. Well, that was kind of my hamburgers and hot dog. I just I, never noticed that. Like, as I think about when I ask you that, I'm like, I don't see Mari chowing down on any more donuts anymore. I, I make whatever donuts I wanted to eat and I ate them. So there's really no. Why are you not like looking like me now and later on in life? I don't know. There would be a time. Why are you better than me, Mark? I'm not. Why are you better it's, than me? I, I'm a strictly steak why and am potatoes. I 350 pounds, and why are you super ripped for I bet old? you your arteries uh-huh. are way more open than mine. <laughs> <laughs> so you went uh, slinging donuts, and then... Uh, I hopped over to... Was it college, or was it... No, uh, so I uh, actually met uh, some mutual friends, and they were starting up a mortgage company, and I wrote mortgages for a while, and... Um, you know, that was what I thought. Well, nope, back up. I started to work at Kelly's because I wanted a real job. I was like, I want a job, work for somebody, all that good stuff. Started Which was car- in a car dealership. Yep, car dealership. Yeah. Kelly Automotive. And I was a car porter. Then I service wrote for uh, the used car dealership. So all the used cars that came in, I inspected them, got them all set in. I was like, yeah, this is, and you know what? I had a lot of folks in that industry that says, you don't, you do not want to end up here don't sell your soul to us don't do not and it was great advice so found a different opportunity write mortgages made some great money first six months in i got into a car accident and broke my neck yeah yeah i was wondering if that was going to come up we told jimmy's story about how he almost died of kidney failure mm-hmm. why don't you tell your story of uh what happened there so uh i was running the lead out in mishawaka elkhart area and Coming back home off 33 down to towards Carroll Road, I think it was Madden, and I, it took me a while to get back towards there and actually cross that road. But I guess it jogged, dog leg left, and I don't know if you know that there's a cemetery out there. Black ice caught the back end of my car, and I tumbled three or four times, and I got ejected, and landed in the cemetery. Yeah. So after you know I watched movies and always freaked out about God, look at my feet. I knew I fucked something up. Yeah. Like I was found by a, a trooper that I was laying on my side and I just felt like I just got knocked out. I was on my side and, uh, I could wiggle my feet. That's all I had faith and hope on. I wiggle my feet. Just, he's like, just don't go back to sleep. I'll wake up back in the ambulance. They're cutting all my stuff open and blackout again. Wake up, flat, flat bed or whatever. Felt like this. They're like, you broke your neck, man. I was like, cool, but I can still feel my feet. That's all I cared about. I knew I wasn't paralyzed. That's all I cared about. Could have been. Could have been. So in the morning, they woke me up and put me in a halo. They're like, you're going to get put in a halo. All right, fine. Uh, Just uh, I broke C2 and fractured C6. So C2 is the pivotal bone that's right right behind C1, which is right at the skull. And C2 is the same bone that Christopher Reese broke. And 
I was like, man, very fortunate to be alive right now. So um, it's fractured. And essentially, it was it was my... Like, so C1, C2, that's pretty close to your... Yeah, and the x-ray, every x-ray that they had, my skull to my neck was like this. Mm. So freaky. Like I. So all this was just messed I up. Didn't, I didn't grasp the concept until like later on. They're like, wear it for three months. Let's see if it'll heal. You're young. You should be able to do that. Same old song and dance. But come down to three months, it didn't grow back. Mm. Option A or B. A, go through a four-hour surgery, take a piece out of your hip, throw it in there, fuse it together. We could mess up and you could be paralyzed for the rest of your life. Or wear this halo for the rest of your life. Mind you, for this three months, I slept sitting up the entire time. That's got to be the worst that sucked. Like my mom made it comfortable. I was moved out at the time. I moved back in. I made they made like a a pillow fortress for my back. I felt like I was sitting on a throne. That's how I slept. Halo it just if you try to track your head together and try to turn, that's how it felt like you couldn't move anything. I felt like all the muscles in my neck were just completely torn to bits cuz the ride home was the most excruciating oh, yeah. to ride home. Every little bump. Mhm. You don't ever you don't think about how much you brace your neck as if you're just sitting still and something happens you hiccup or whatever well it hurts so uh fast forward to seven months i believe they did the, i decided on the surgery I, yeah. I took it took me two weeks to decide because i was really contemplating on wearing this halo for the rest of my life it's like i yeah i was just i didn't know i was 20 years old no idea what to do with the rest of my life and uh did the surgery came out great yeah, now let's recover on the back of your neck yep, just a big old slit and honestly, uh, good have movement and everything's good mm -hmm. doctor said and i got out a week before my 21st birthday mm. so it was go time so i i had a different appreciation for life so i okay. i went out and just man i could die tomorrow let's go and it was just that was like that all the time and i always had that attitude of just like you know we're all equal here we're human no one's better than the next person we can die tomorrow. That's kind of how my motto was coming through in my twenties. But uh, it was, it was interesting. Um, I had a lot of friends that just would sit down like, "Hey man, at least you did like get into a car wreck and almost face death. Like just be lucky for that." So my gratitude was a little higher than most people at yeah. that time. Um, yeah, that's. The doctor said I couldn't do anything. We weren't allowed to go. Well, I was a big Laker at the time, so we'd go wakeboarding, skiing, Did tubing. Did you really? I didn't yeah. know that. Yep. So uh, childhood best friends, just that's their parents, um, you know, were like my second parents. And they, uh, we went up to the lake every weekend. We'd go to the lake Friday night, come home Monday morning just in time for school. And that was awesome. Just a whole different way of life. Everybody was just there to, you know, uh, get away from the city and it was cool. It was really cool. There's everybody had common interests of just having a good time and getting to know everybody. So I was very fortunate to have that. So what was your first job after you got a uh, new lease on life? Uh, oh yeah, that was a good. So now after the mortgage thing, I just, I went into Centennial, which man, Centennial, it, I don't want to sound conceited or whatever. Full of, it, they bred some studs like, Everybody that has worked at Centennial Wireless that has done well 
they bred some studs. There's a lot of people that came out of it, you know. So cell phone sales then? Cell phone sales, Centennial Wireless. I, I can't put the number on it. I know they sold, they were trying to sell it for 900 million. Obviously it didn't go, but I think it went for 90 million to AT&T. So they just bought the footprint and the subscribers so they can actually rival, you mm -hmm. know, Verizon. But after that, they got bought over and, you know, went into the wireless sales side. And, you know, I, I thrived in the sales side. I was really proficient on what I did and I enjoyed it. I connected with the customers really well. And yeah, you're a likable guy. Yeah, I like to think so. Yeah, you're so, a likable guy. So, yeah, just then moving into management and it's like, hey, you should. Ruins everything then, when oh you're a manager. Gosh. It's so free and it easy when you're out of, It takes the fun out of doing what the job's supposed to be doing. Yeah, no, every time. And every time I try to explain to people, like, uh, when you move into management, you're one step closer to the door almost always, especially in corporate America. You can have bad months when you're a rep. You can ba have bad months if you're a low-level employee. Like, it doesn't matter. Do you have a couple bad months as a manager? Psh, they're looking for somebody else. They're looking for the next stud to come by there and – and, and take over exactly that's what they want and i and we talked about on the one podcast how i got jimmy out of there because like at some point it's not gonna be your fault even all the time mm -mm. it can be your fault but like you're they're just gonna then there's another there's somebody coming for you yeah all the time as much as you think you might carve out a spot like i mean they, they got you by the balls at that point yeah so you were they're really successful i think that's how you met your uh your girl uh, mm -hmm. was there, mm -hmm. and she ran shit as well. Yeah, she did really well. Uh, we thrived off each other, and it was it was good. And I think that's what grew that level of attraction. That like common interests, like yeah, just trying could, to grow. She could run shit. Like yeah, she ran shit. shit. Yeah, mm -hmm. That's like, so, yeah. Shout out Tiffany. Yeah, and we're still together today. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, just uh, so. Uh, and then you took that knowledge. Mm -hmm. She left first, so I'm not mistaken. She left first to go do something else. And then you left and went to. It was it, almost at the same. Almost I think same me time? first. Almost it was me first. Um, I remember talking to you, but I don't remember. So at that time, she accepted the role as a DM, and then I shifted so many different positions, trying to be um, overseeing stores, training to. I think before I left, I was overseeing two hundred units in Indy, like all the, um, the apartment complexes for like wire. Um, AT&T home phone satellite all that good stuff I was overseeing all that and then you know Tiffany really felt like the I guess the glow of wanting to do something else but yeah. she took on this new role so she's like this is secure this is whatever and you know she was really passionate about it and you know she was going to school at the same time so I don't remember that. oh yeah so an entire year she would go as soon as she left the dm job running all 11 stores would go to school from 5 to 10 every night to get her esthetician license okay yeah yeah okay. so in order to do that and then you know it just kind of snowballed into uh her acquiring the spot in huntington and you know now it's nine booths of either hairdressers or nail techs or whatever um, been going on for quite some time now. So she left AT&T for this to pursue. Um, then I went into advertising, just kind of shifted a little bit of the responsibilities to stay at home because it allowed me to stay at home. Um, some people are different uh, in the way of wanting to stay at home and being away from people. 
I realized, and we met the beginning stages of me taking on that role. Yeah. Um, it was cool at first. It sounded cool. I knew about you before then, uh-huh. um, but we had never connected um, until I met you at the cigar bar yeah. one-on-one. Yep. And you were thugging away on a, on a computer, and uh, we were smoking cigars and stuff, and you had just gotten that stuff, and you did well. Uh-huh. Did really well at the Comcast, was it? Yep, Comcast. You did really well at the advertisement spot at Comcast. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It's uh, the people that I connected with. I learned a lot, just how people thought about, you know, gravitating to finding the their their people that they want to serve, and just I don't know. It, it was a whole nother level of advertising. Usually, what we did in the AT and T world, it was guerrilla marketing. We just ground and pound. That was it. That's we got the people, we sold them. That was it. Next. Here it was more of long term, just try to build the business and grow. Um, but I realized, man, and it was at the midst of COVID too. Um, so everything kind of started to get slippery as far as people hesitating to move forward and kind of going along with how the ebbs and flow of society is. Yeah, it, it just it, it didn't work out. No one wanted to make a move unless someone else made a move, and that hurt the sales side as far as like, is this worth it? You know what I mean? I, yeah. I started to ask that. And then um, we couldn't go anywhere. They conducting stuff, conducting business over the phone is, it's hard. That, it's, it's hard. And then I think there was, and I don't want to speak for you, but mm-hmm. I think there was a little bit, like we tried to do some work and there was a little bit of, it's not the right product for mm-hmm. everybody. Correct. You're trying to sell everybody, mm-hmm. but the, it was a, it was like commercial space. So like being on commercials and stuff mm-hmm. like that, it was um the digital so like you said you like they had deals with like hulu or or yep. whatever yep. and all that kind of streaming stuff. services and streaming stuff. services yep. and stuff like that and um you were finding out slowly that <clears throat> that maybe it wasn't the right option for everybody Mm-mm. um can you give us some examples of like why um or some things that you saw when doing advertising that commercial space either on tv or like, what's the best, if you're in the business, like what are the best things to do if you're going to be on TV and, and, and do those commercials and, and streaming service uh, stuff? Like, can you give like the go do this if you're this, don't do this if you're this sort of deal? Because, I mean, like you knew all that. It's one of those things. It worked for a lot of people. Yeah. And, and it didn't work for a lot of people. The people that are still in the game are like the people like uh, the lawyers in town. You know who they are. They're, they've been in it. It's a long-term game. It's one of those that if you want instant results, the commercial space is really hard. It's more of a brand acknowledgement. Like, why would anybody choose Perfect Steel out of the blue? Right. Like, it's either referrals or it's either us coming to you, finding you, or obviously we're the largest rated company in the tri-state area. And there's a reason why. They gravitate towards that. So I feel Perfect Steel has done a great job of making sure they they let people tell the other people how well we did. Yeah. And it's hard for the other people to gravitate towards that. They just want to be able to go, Hey, flashbang, come see us with no background. So if I own a donut shop and mm-hmm. I, and I want to do that, you would suggest that yes or no long-term game. Yeah. And, and not to put all your chips in it, put a little bit in it just so they're, Brand acknowledgement, because obviously we're not the only roofing company right. or the only donut so shop. So if you got the extra scratch, mm-hmm. come off of it on a low-end tier yes, and just trickle that forever? 
So I would probably see if it's working within six months okay, and then evaluate months, and then move so, forward. So if you're going to put money into that from Mari who sold it, six months, if you're not seeing results and you're probably not going to get your money back, sort of deal like the amount of money you put in, you know, mm -hmm. depending on what business you're in. Um, but six months, if you're starting to gain some tread, then then maybe pursue that, double down, things yeah. like that. Yeah, and I think it goes along with any business that you try to sell or position or whatever. You got to know who your audience is. If you're just kind of going for the masses, then it's going to be slippery slope. But if you know who your direct target is, if you're going for, you know, just single, like, household income or, you know, baby boomers to whoever, depends if you have ones that are looking for, if you're looking for shop for discretional income families, who knows? But it's more of flourishing families is the big ticket if you wanted to do for a donut shop because you it. obviously want right. to focus on those folks. Yeah. So feet. just like roofing, you know, most of the folks that or I seen this the other day, someone um, someone made fun of them getting uh, funeral home ads. It's like, yeah, but I know that you're not going to go, but you're the person that's going to be shopping for that. So they made fun of it. Oh, because like they're they're targeting they're targeting people my age because obviously we're going to be shopping. Yeah, going for forward. So yeah, not to think about that stuff, but that's they're smart about that stuff. The people mm. that are marketing, they don't they're not looking for you to plan your own stuff. It's for you to plan for your next generation. Yeah, or your generation ahead of you, if you will. Fair enough. So yeah, that's it's this the smart marketing that just kind of gets in the your your brain and. You think about it and you remember it. So, what was your favorite part about that job? Uh, meeting all the people and getting how they plan their business out. And a lot of folks they plan for the year, and some don't know what's going to happen in the next month. Like it's crazy to see how many folks just want instant results. Yeah, and it's not in it for the long game. Yeah, the long game's important. And if you don't have that strategy laid out, something messes up in the first month, everything falls apart. And it's, it's a, it's a, it's really something you got to think about why. And that's why I was fortunate enough to be in there and ask the right questions and put them up and set them up in the way of the, they can build the trust and like, Hey man, okay, you are thinking about my future and what it's going to affect me and all that good stuff. So yeah, I, I appreciate that side of it. Cool. And then you went from that to, I'd bring you over to the dark side, um, to the dirty old roofing game. Um, I know that the way when we started out, I was looking to do a house. I wanted to be different than everyone else um, that was putting on roofs with subcontractors. And I felt like that just was always not the best option. It's the easiest option. It's the most re readily available, cost-efficient option. Uh, but again, you talked about longevity. Is like the longevity is such a hard game um, when you're betting with other people's money. So I wanted to bring something I didn't know how to do it, did not have the time to do it myself. And you were in the process of like, okay, the shop's up and running for your, for your girl. And we're like, all right, so we're going to make another move. And we talked about like, what if I could give you a business that would have unlimited jobs to install? You know, you would never run out of business. And you're like, mm -hmm. interesting. So how did I steal you over from there? It was it was something that I was looking to find like I guess a better opportunity, you know. I I think the the pivotal point was me in the pool at 
at 80 degrees on my laptop, absolutely miserable. Just didn't find the, the, the gratitude of, or fulfillment of getting the job done or getting stuff done. Um, you know, in the midst of that too, Tiffany and her mom opened up a boutique store and like gathered some, uh, some home remodels and it wound up you got handy real quick we got i got handy you real got quick. handy real that's, quick that's where it was and you then got handy real quick i felt like there was a purpose to that because every time i was done with the job i was like dude i did that this and you came awesome. and showed it off to me yeah and i'm like oh this is uh, i figured it this out dude's this got some awesome. skills yeah so and that that, that fulfillment I, I felt like there was a, a different level of fulfillment after every job that i finished and i figured it out like huh this is awesome. So I started doing more research on how to do things craftier, more efficient. And it just, I don't know. Um, and growing up, I always thought, you know, I was always bred into where people would tell me work harder, not smarter. But I, had, I don't think I really knew what that meant. You know what I mean? It's just you want to kind of be in the corporate world or just use your brain or not be physical and all that stuff. But man, that take or that takes away from a lot of what the future is going to hold. I mean, like people are losing the whole handy, crafty, just using their hands to build stuff because everything in this room was built by hand. And if we don't have any more of those people, we don't have any more of the stuff. It's less nowadays. Yeah, it we is. talk about all the time when we go mm-hmm. hire roofers and stuff like that. That the uh, the pool for the wanting to go in and do that. Um, I feel like it was more back in the day. Like the people looked forward to being like, you know what. I want to build cabinets or I want to be a plumber or mm-hmm. I want to do all that kind of stuff. And nowadays those kids are few and far between. It's mostly the country kids. Yeah. want to go do that stuff. And yeah. so it makes it harder for us. We're fighting over such a small pool of people that want to get out there and make a name for themselves with their hands. Mm-hmm. Get dirty. Yeah. And I found a different level of fulfillment when you presented that to me. I was like, you know what? I felt great after every job I've done. Like, why not? Let's go for it. And here we are. Why not kind of work for yourself? Yeah. Because that's yeah. kind of how we have it set up. Exactly. You know, is like, hey, I'll take care of you. And then if you do well, it'll, it'll be take awesome. care of everybody. Yeah. yeah. It'll take care of everybody. And uh, so I had you um, go shadow my best guy for eight months, I want to say. Close eight to, months. Close a to year, eight months. Yeah. Year. Eight months a year. And uh, you worked right alongside. Yeah, doing... I felt like undercover boss. It was hilarious. Dude, it did. It, it did feel it like was. undercover boss. Yeah. And the guys, after like the first month, his guys were like, what are you really here for? And it was hilarious. Because you're out working, even like the yeah. hardest working guys. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Cause, uh huh. Uh huh. Because, uh, let's see, one of their, their main guys' his brother was like, man, I've been here for, you know, two years. You're just picking up. It's like I have, different. I have a lot to gain You're out of this. Different. So I have a lot to gain, and there I had an objective. Whereas most people, they go into it, they're like, "Well, I'm gonna get the same pay no matter what." At the end of the day or week, I had a timeline to make sure I knew what I was doing at the end of the day or at the end of the year, month, whatever. So it was important to me to know everything that I had to know and show that I could do it. Because if I screwed up what a better company to have than to screw up in front of the guys that are teaching you. Yeah. So it was awesome. It was fun. Um, I just, I see what those guys go through and I, I know what to expect going forward. They do work a lot. It's obviously a different culture with them, but it's, it's something that I got to learn how to mesh together with today's culture. Yeah. And that's the biggest hurdle right now is trying to get them to understand what's in it for them. Why do it? What's, what's the why, I guess. 
What's the benefits um, out of your mouth that 1099 versus uh, in-house crews when it comes to doing construction projects? So why we would choose our people versus the subs? Either way. Like, okay. Why is it better for you have 1099? Why is it better you know, to have in-house crews? Better to have in-house crews because um, that I feel, uh, that I've seen, and even just by instance, we we play along with what the company offers like we got our warranties we got our promise guarantees all that good stuff the service stays consistent whereas a lot of the subcontractors we see in any line of business you got even home builders right you come do your stuff they're gone we got a problem they're gone so in order for us to fulfill the promise the guarantee and our warranties we have to have in-house people people to be able to facilitate that and i feel like that is valuable in its own degree and then outside of that the 1099 just they do good work but they only go to that far reliability and consistency it just goes all out the window and we see that you know you can call any 1099 guy and they'll come in and be hot for like a month second month they're crap in the bed they're you know getting comfortable they're doing stuff that it's not up to quality and luckily you know, I was in place at the time and I was able to kind of steer them back into the straight and narrow, which they had a lot of services that I had to go fix and do and keep the customer happy with us to the end. So it's it was tough. And having that showed my guys what it took to make sure we did a great job and stayed consistent, because if, you know, we kept those 1099 guys on and kept going, we'd be just cleaning up messes and getting that that used car men, not mentality, the stereotype, the used car stereotype. I mean, you got one bad egg that ruined it for everybody. Not saying the used car guys are bad, but one bad group made it bad for everybody. And it's just, it's hard to compete against those masses. So what were your biggest struggles uh, when starting the group? Cause we came out with um, bright eyes and mm -hmm. we're like, this is gonna be the greatest, easiest thing we've ever done. What are some things that when we got into it, the nitty gritty, what are some things that we found initially very, very difficult? What are the hurdles? If you're going to start your own roofing crew, what, what, are, what are the hurdles? The biggest hurdle. Take money out of it because like, you know, like we, if you're going to have a roofing crew, you better have a lot of dough mm -hmm. to start it because you're going to lose money. Mm -hmm. It's you got to be, be able to accept that too. You got to be able to accept that like, at a certain point in time, you know, in any business that you have, if you're going to be in lawn care, I talked to my guy who um, who uh, takes care of the properties, mm -hmm. um, and and I go, why are you still just doing this by yourself? He makes like a hundred grand a year doing it, but I'm like, man, dude, it's just you mowing, you know, fifty seven accounts or however many he's like, got. What's your I'm end like, game, bro? Like, what? How do you go on vacation? How do you just lose money and you piss people off when you go? He's like. I can't find anybody to train and do all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, how much are you paying? He's like, a lot, like a lot. And he still can't find anybody to do that stuff. So, like, that was real eye-opening to me after we started this because I'm like, oh, that was kind of like our general thing. Like, even if you have willing bodies at the beginning, it's tough to 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 make something happen when you want to start doing more in-house stuff. Like, it would be easy to go find another mowing company and be like, do you want 
10 of these yards, you know, blah, mm-hmm. blah. You know, and so, like, I, I think about that all the time in all these different businesses, like whether you're a welding manufacturing company or something like that. Outsourcing it solves one problem, and it, it makes many more problems. You know, I, I, I like to think that uh, my dad did manufacturing um, for a long time and uh, still does it. And whenever we would outsource something, it was never as good as it was in-house. It would be passable most of the time, but it wouldn't exceed quality aspects and stuff. Anything you do, if you have any pride in your business or anything like that, it will never exceed what you do in-house, usually. Usually. Like if you make, if you work in a kitchen and, and you make your desserts by hand, they're almost always better than what you can buy at GFS. Yeah, or absolutely. whatever. It's They're almost all, always better. It's all quantity versus quality. Exactly. It solves the problem where you don't have to spend all day making desserts. We get that. Like, mm-hmm. and I understand that aspect being in this in this business and where we are now. But it also creates a, other problems that you don't no- normally think about. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what were some of the problems? I know we kind of just talked about it, but yeah. like, what, was, what what were the problems? Um, we're starting this up. I guess setting the expectation. For the wrong people and that is i've hired and fired a lot of people in the sales side and sales is sales like you get a lot of folks that are experienced you get a lot of folks that are new to the game it was easy to do because different things were implemented as far as we had a big hiring pool we had a way of you know coaching them into progression and then letting them go if they didn't make it we didn't have that luxury as far as the amount of people we can go through. I think my first hiring class was three. Yeah. And with that attitude going into it, it's like, I got to make these three work. <laughs> I don't I don't have a way to get around it. So, um, you know, they were scared and timid. They, they walked like baby giraffes on the ladder on a two foot stretch like it. I couldn't like completely buy in until I seen them, you know, walk and do all that stuff. So I had to go through baby steps and teach them how to do that. So I was really training them from the ground up. And essentially I was training and still to this day, boys to actually young men. We talk about that a lot. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's very difficult, especially this, this social climate. It's just, everybody's got a different expectations, get rich quick, you know, what's hard work all that good stuff. There's a lot of things that play factor into how people perceive what work is nowadays. You know what I mean? You're, there's people don't hear about sweat equity anymore. It's all about like, okay, what's the end of the day going to look like? And where am I going to go drink at? It's just, yeah. and granted that was our thing back then too, but we, we worked hard. I felt like we did. I feel, I feel like all the jobs that I had that it was always, I liked having jobs where the harder I worked, the more I got paid. You know, yeah. I, I was never like you where I could work in a car dealership um, or a donut shop Mm -hmm. um, or any of those that would pay the same hourly rate as everybody else um, because that just drove me nuts. When I got into the restaurant game, I loved it. Yeah. Because... Tips and... Tips. I mean, it was really just... We were working for tips and, like, it made me... It made me go. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the that's a general thing. Like it sucks to be locked into a business um wherever you work. Like if you work at Subway, 
I mean, they just started doing tips at Subway, which I think is That's hilarious. Crazy, I think well, it's hilarious. You see, Good. Starbucks does it. They Starbucks it, do it, but Starbucks takes a cut first, then yeah, they, they divvy do. it out. It's they crazy. Do. It's nuts. It's, so, but yeah. like, you're gonna if you make sandwiches like a motherfucker. Like, if you're like the best at making sandwiches, Rain Man at you the get the same ten dollars an hour. <laughs> that every if you Rain Man that thing and you're slicing pepperonis and like cracking jokes to people, it pays the exact same, and that would just. To no end frustrate mm-hmm. me. Yeah, and people if are you have smart any kind to of, realize that. Yeah, if you have any kind of ethic or talent for anything that you do, go somewhere where it pays you to excel. Harness your skill and move yeah. forward. Yeah, I mean, and that's just the... I mean, I I really do love the restaurant business. Everyone thinks that, like, you shouldn't have to rely on tips and, you know, do all this stuff. They should be paid a regular wage, and I don't care. Never, I never bitched about that, ever. I feel like every first job that anybody has should revolve around the customer service restaurant yes. anything because you, of the I, social. I say not even the first one. You must at some point in your life work in some kind of restaurant Agreed. service, whether it's a hotel or a restaurant. It's something Hosp- customer relations. Hospitality, yeah, anything. hospitality. Yep. That's the word I was looking yep. for. Hospitality, something in there. Mm-hmm. Does a lot of things. Think on your feet, which is huge. Because you never have the same day twice. Yeah. If you if you work in a restaurant, busy, fast, big tables, small tables, you know, um, different personalities um, every half hour, um, that really teaches you how to mesh with the general public and how to appease many different people and the level of service that they demand. Because um, we found that out too. Like, different people require different levels of service. Mm-hmm. There's some people out there, if you do a good job on the roof, but you don't talk to them and you don't explain everything that you did and you don't walk them through that every step of the way, then they don't they don't feel like they got good service. They want that red carpet. You know, they want the red carpet thing. They want you to be like, this is what we did. We, yeah. we saw that you had a loose pipe boo out there. We went and reconnected it, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, your flashing was deteriorating on this side. We went ahead and did all that kind of stuff, you know. And then we laid – your roof wasn't straight in this part, so we furred it up a little bit. So now you have a nice straight lines, blah, blah. You have better water flow. They want all that. You can do that, all that stuff, and they'd still be upset that you didn't tell them, you know, exactly what you did and why it was good for them, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I think that's where you excel at is that while you do have the – Work ethic to go out there and uh, and smash roofs and go and go get roofs done. On the other hand, like with it comes to the customers, I would argue there's no one in the industry that's a roofing installer that has the amount of people skills that you have. I love people. Yeah, well, being around, you're, you're great I just with people. gravitate to any personality, and I know what we go through as far as the canvassing side, the sales side. They're going through and getting the doc signed. I know what the customer's experience are leading up to my point. You know, for us to come in and just put the roofs on and go away, I feel like it's doing a disservice oh, by you not. You bring up such a good point. Just, it's. You bring yeah. up such a good point for years. Um, for years, I would have subcontractors do the work. And they would do a good job most of the time. But when they dropped the ball, they dropped the ball. And that came out of my pocket, and I paid for it. And I'm okay with it, because that's what I had at the time. But there was so much work leading up to the install. These jobs didn't drop in our lab. We went out and found these customers. Then we convinced them that we were the best option. And then 
we either bought our metal at one point and the, or made our metal in here and people we had SDI supply the metal and unload it off of a huge truck and then break it down and roll form it and then make all the custom parts for it. People went out and measured. Docs got signed. Uh, office people did their, their stuff in there and uh, we, we delivered it on timely fashion. All that stuff to then roofers shit the bed. It was so disheartening. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and they acted like, well, there's more. So just thought, let's not cut up on this one. No, that's such a wrong mentality. Everyone is a everyone. Every single customer is a unicorn. Act like that's the last customer you're ever going to have, and they're going to tell everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that was so. I got so frustrated, and that's kind of how we and you came to be. Is that I, I we just couldn't take it. I could not take it anymore. I don't blame you. I couldn't. At all. I couldn't take it anymore. In-house installing, whether it be more efficient or um, more cost-effective, irregardless of all that you demand you you sell a certain level of service and you got to have that um so i would i would heavily recommend that everyone i mean if you follow um dimitri um he's got roofing insights on on youtube and he goes into a lot or if you're a subcontractor start your roofing company if you're any if you're worth your salt you know start your own roofing company um don't work for the next guy if you can't live up to their promises go and do your own thing and promise different stuff you know if like hey you're gonna get Mid-level service, mid-level quality, and mid-level warranties. But it's going to be a whole lot cheaper. Do that then. If that's your game, you know, when I can't in, in good faith go out and sell customers being like, these are the best guys. And, you know, we will guarantee that this work will be amazing. And all this stuff, just to have someone, a stranger come in and do the roof, it's just so disheartening. And, uh, and I really got a good sense of feeling for the last two years of doing our houses in-house like it just it feels better you don't have that buyer's remorse feeling when you have that it just i feel that sometimes when we hired a subcontractor to get us caught up because we were going through another rebuilding season of roofers and we needed the help and i i felt like i was doing double the duty because i was bouncing back and forth making sure they did good they do yeah, good let's, they, let's let's break that down i mean yeah I want to talk about it. I mean, I don't want to talk about it, but I guess it's a good thing to talk about. The bad stuff that happens. Everyone talks about roofing and how great it is and you can make money and blah, blah, blah. Let's talk about when it doesn't go good. So I got behind 130 some odd jobs, you know, which is a bunch, and uh, hired a subcontractor to help us out and uh, catch us up. Dude, been doing it for 20 years, blah, blah, blah. Had a whole crew, very highly rated, blah, blah, blah. And... Uh, we did way more work fixing the mistakes that he made it's like than we ever saved by having him do roofs. Three to one. Three to one ratio, I felt. Three bad ones for every one good one he did? Three good ones, one bad one. I don't think and so. And he did a lot. He did a lot. He did, like, I want to say about 60 of them. Well, maybe it's... Oh, my God. I don't think it was that many. I think he did 30 and 15, 16 of them. That could be. I think be. it felt like more because you were at his jobs more. It could be. I don't think I gave him that many because I like we found out within two months that it was not happening. Yeah, like it was bad. Yeah, I could find out for sure later on, but yeah, yeah. no, it, it was a lot. All I know, it was a lot. I we had one it. almost every other day to fix, and we didn't it would catch just come up. up. At yeah. the end of the day, we didn't catch we up because we were literally spending our capital on on doing that. Agreed. You know? Whereas yeah. we could have we could have fed our own people, been farther along for sure. Correct, and I think the time that we could have took and told the customers say, hey. We're, you know, 
extremely busy at the moment. You know, just be please be patient, all that good stuff. I think that would have went a lot further than trying to fix that remedy by hiring a sub. You know what I mean? And I felt like we would have done more justice and less harm to the business yeah, as far as true. that that area goes true. by just doing that. And I've been around you when you're doing can saves and everything. You're the most genuine, honest person when it comes to that. There's no sugarcoating, no bullshit. If there's something to be said, whether it's good, bad, ugly, it's said. And that's what I think a lot of people appreciate about you being at the helm. Just, it goes a long way. Everybody sees it, everybody follows. And that that is very important when you're leading anything business-wise roofing company you got to be true and honest to what you're doing you know there's no like hiring people just to be your minions that's not people sniff on that real quick and all my guys do that too they know how genuine you are and they appreciate it and they know that uh you know we got something to lose if we don't you know keep it up so it's it's much appreciated so i I agree i agree like people don't want to be jerked around no you know, especially with a giant investment. There's so know. many scammers out there that everybody else, everybody's on their toes. Everybody's on their toes. Can't even get a call without going, I'm going to get screwed. <laughs> exactly. So what are some of the, and we go back to the same thing. What's the, what's the, when you started this and you're like, okay, I'm trained. I know most everything about middle roofing, yada, yada, yada. How do we come out the gate? It was very bad as far as just the the learning side of it. I I held on to people too long. The biggest thing that I I've learned and, you know, I think it's something that's practiced often too. Um, You keep your 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 pool up. You hire slow. You fire fast. Yeah. You realize that they're not going to be there. There's some people that grow as cancers and they ruin the whole team that you built the whole entire year for. You hire fast don't care like as much as you try to buy in and get them to you know fall into what we believe in what we're here to do achieve a lot of those folks are short-term gain people like they just want to see it now they don't care you got to recognize that out of the gate if they're here to be long-term and they're trying to fulfill a different life that they've you know never lived which is a lot of them that I run into, they want to have a better opportunity, a better life. And they- How do you spot those people, Mari, when you're going to hire those people, the mistakes that we've made? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you, what, how do you if I'm going to go on Indeed, and I'm going to hire some people, what are some things that, uh, that you look for on a resume that will give you key indicators that they probably are not the greatest... Uh, Broad spectrum, obviously. There's Man, it's really hard. Rule. It's really hard because I've had a lot of guys that jump ship quicker than you could blink and change the page. And some of them are good for that because I have one guy that he's never held a job longer than three months, but he's one of my best guys and he absolutely loves this job. Absolutely loves it. And it's just, you really got to get to know him and get him here and kind of understand what their life is like, what their life has been. Um, and it's just, it's a deeper dive than just hiring them and let them work. You really got to understand them. It's a different day and age used to be just like, Hey, hire in. If you don't show up, you're gone. One point peace out. Now it's a little different. You really have to, it sucks, but you have to do it. You have to put on those kitten mittens and just work these folks to where they understand what we're in it for. And I have to reiterate it every time because you got I got a couple people that, you know, get freaked out 
if they don't hear from me. You know what I mean? Yeah, we talked about that a lot with Jimmy. Like yeah. If they, if they go a couple of days without talking to him, you're like, oh, am I going to get fired? Yeah, you know? exactly. Because the communication is so real, and uh, there's such a connection built between those two people and that structure that if they don't hear something in a certain amount of time, they're like, oh, it doesn't feel good. Yeah, it works along with, like, true friends. You and I talked about this. You and Jimmy can go out two weeks without talking and then pick it up two weeks later like nothing ever happened because you guys got your own shit going on. There's no crazy insecurities going on. Is he hanging out with somebody else? Whatever. It's, you know, it's, the it's exact there. opposite of a woman relationship. Yeah. Well, yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, that's to be determined still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Fair, enough. Fair enough. But, you know, it's, that's, that's kind of the thing, man. Like, I've I've tried to set the right expectation on like, hey man, if you need me to be there all the time, then you are not the right person for us. And it's one of those things where I want to be able to create um, multiple groups, multiple entities for us to grow. And if you need a babysitter, then I'm we're not we're not a good fit. Yeah, to a so, certain extent. To a certain like, extent. To a certain extent. We'll, we'll, There's some people that we'll need make us. You grow up. We'll yeah. make you grow up, but you gotta want it. You gotta want you it. You gotta want it. That's, and uh, I think that through our time together, um, we've met some really cool mofos. Like, we got some studs. We do some good-hearted, good-hearted studs. Dude, good guys. Mm -hmm. Like when you think of roofing, and I, I've said this on different uh, episodes too. It's like you think of roofers being like shirtless meth heads smoking cigarettes on top of a roof, jamming out to ACDC. I mean, that's a general thing that you feel like you're going to see when yeah. you get a roof. So and volatile. We can't the be so people, different yeah. than that. Yeah. I mean, either our guys are wearing polos or whatever company gear, and we're showing up and we're being proficient. We show up in a nice big box truck. Everyone pulls out. We get the jobs mostly done in a day, mm -hmm. and we clean up real nice afterwards and have respect for the property. And the only way that when they get home from work that they know that we were there in the first place is they have a brand new metal roof. Yeah. I mean, and that is that. what I that is what I strive for. Mm -hmm. I think that's what you strive for as well, is meeting that level of expectation. Absolutely. It make it seamless. And that's always how every level of business should be conducted. Seamless. If it is by any means, you know, setbacks and all that stuff, that means you didn't have your shit together. That customers see that. You know what I mean? We are very reputable out of the gate. Only to gate, we had yeah. a great name. Yeah. Like only to shit the bed in the middle. But if you can get to it before they notice it before you do, as in like, you know, if if there was a mistake on the roof and we go, hey, there's a mistake, we gotta order a piece of metal, we're ahead of it, they appreciate it more than them noticing it before we do. And I, I instill that in every one of our reps. We all make mistakes. Could you say that how you how you start is less important than how you finish. How you finish is way more important than how you start. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I would always say that. I would agree because at the end, it's the result regardless. The, the result is what you ask for. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter how you got there. It can be ugly however mm -hmm. you get there. Mm -hmm. But if you finish perfect, it's still perfect. I agree. I agree because that's what you have to live with. If yeah, you, that's true. Yeah, I never thought about that. Like, you know. You have to sleep at night. No one ever talks about how you started. No one does. No one. Very, very, very little bit. Unless you become a legend. If you're Michael Jordan, people talk about how you started. Correct. Because they can compare like, dude, there are failures. There, are, He's human. 
Yeah. Like, he was short, and that's why he didn't get picked up. Only only to see him be one of the best basketball players of all time. Uh, it's It makes people relate to it. Like, hey, man, I can shit the bed and still do okay. Yeah. You just gotta, or you be gotta, great. You got to finish strong. Finish strong. You got to finish strong. What do you think is the favorite part of what you do? Besides just be handsome and uh, wear company gear yeah. and smooth customers. My biggest takeaway from it, and I, it, it's fulfilling, is seeing my guys thrive. I do. I like everything will fall into place, you know, for what the everything's set up for us to succeed. I feel like the most important part is watching my guys thrive and enjoy the culture and go from there. I mean, it sounds, you know, fluff and all that good stuff, but really I do because anybody can go out and hire whatever to get the job done. I can get the job done by hiring subs, whatever, but seeing my guys thrive and enjoy what they do, it, it warms my heart because the days that I call in for rain days, they call and text me and say, Hey, can we hang out anyways? Yeah. I think we, I talk, love that. we talked, I talked about a lot of that in the, uh, in the interviews. I'm not sure if I talked about it before is like when I preach culture, I knew that we finally reached a point where the culture was so good that I could hang my hat on it is that even on the days where I had a little bit during COVID and definitely now that I have my in-house crews, um, if it rains, if for some reason we can't go out, whatever, they'd rather come in here and hang out as a team Absolutely. and play cornhole and, uh, and drink a few beers and, uh, and laugh than go home. Yeah, they enjoy each other's company, which I thrive on and doing. And there's not, I mean, I can't tell you how few businesses, if ever, I ever wanted to go in and just be like, yeah, I know that I'm not going to make any money today, but I just want to be here. I can't tell That's you. That's a hard how, pill to swallow for I anybody. I can't tell you yeah. there can't be that many jobs um, out there that make you feel like that. I imagine maybe if you're like a teacher and you really love teaching mm -hmm. or something and you want to do some after school like tutoring or something like that. I don't know of very many jobs that are like, this is what I want to do. This is, this is where I want to be at. And it would suck if I wasn't here anymore. Yeah, I agree. And that's, I, yeah, I, I look for those things to make them understand what we're in it for. You know what I mean? If it's, if we can't go through the process and not enjoy each other's company, no point. How many people do you think you hire at a time that actually make it in your field? It's tough. It's hit all over the place. The number before was at 50%, uh, I guess attachment or close or success rate like for every four people I hired I got two the last class was tough it, it was tough it was one of those that I knew to cut bait faster than what I should have because of the crew that I have currently or in play that's running it and I know that I am confident that I don't have to be there which is great they've helped me do this uh, in a better fashion to not only protect us, but to protect them. Cause I'm, I'm a huge advocate on making sure that you have the right teammates. And if you don't mesh well, you won't ever mesh well. The team is always more it's important huge. than, the, than, than the best guy. Yeah. I tried to explain that to the sales manager a long time ago when he's like, what is your idea of like, why, why you do things like this? Why is the company set up this way? 
and I had to like break it down with them numbers because sales managers only really you know care about numbers. I'm like, listen, the best guy, if you do everything to please him and you forget about the rest of the team, you'll be so much more less successful than worrying about the team and not worrying about that one guy. The team will always do better and more than any one person can ever do. Five of the worst people you've ever had will still do more than the number one person. Agreed. It's just, oh, yeah. it's just, it's just numbers. a numbers game. It's, a numbers, it's game. just yep. a numbers game. You have to take care of everyone in a whole and make everyone feel welcome. And I think we do a really good job of that here. And I think that's why a little secret of success is like, you gotta do the extra. You know, people talk about when you do extra. People appreciate the extra. You know, if you're doing what you think is um, sufficient, that's not enough. No. It's not enough. If you're like, I bet they're cool with uh, one lunch a week, or I bet they're cool with, you know, I took them to mini golf one time, or I bet they're cool with end of the year bonuses of 100 bucks, or what. That's not enough. If you think that's sufficient, I can promise you. It's probably not enough. It goes along with a lot of things to where, like, if you have to justify it, it's probably not. Yeah, no, that's a good way. If you have justified to yourself, it's probably not enough. Mm-mm. Yeah, because that's I see a lot of people doing that. It's the justification is like, oh, we did good. No, if you have to justify it, you kind of weeded out all the bad stuff or the things you should have paid attention to only to make the one thing make sense. Yeah. Talk about how maybe the other companies try to show you appreciation and then how you show your guys appreciation. Let's do that. It's more personable. They did it by the masses and Centennial was one of the ones that did it right. Everybody out of, they did the top 10% out of the company and took them out and did their thing. And every person learned everybody's name individually, which I know it's hard to do, but at the same time you felt important here. Well, transitioning to here, um, you know, it, it felt like I had the opportunity to change the way they, they did it because different places in between Centennial, it was by the masses. It was like, hey, here's a trip to Mexico. Have fun. Yeah, we appreciate it, but we're still a number. And a lot of the folks and that if I... you didn't get the trip to Mexico, you were the number that didn't count. Yeah, so it's either like, okay, cool. I made it just enough to enjoy a free trip. Cool. I'm going to take it and run. I don't know the president. I don't know anybody. I, whatever. They won't even know I'm here. So, um, like, a couple things that I try to change while I'm here. I want to be the, you know, the person that gives advice to where I wish I had when I was at their age or even just, you know, seeing what to look for. Because a lot of these guys, they they didn't have the best upbringing. They didn't have the best opportunities. They're just now figuring it out right now and you know and i'm still trying to figure it out so i i always tell that to them like i'm not the pinnacle of whatever you think it is i'm still trying to figure it out together so let's do it together so i don't ever leave them out of the growth of what we're here to do and i think they appreciate that a lot because it makes me equal and human to them and what do you do what do you do with your group that makes it different than so, where you worked at before so you know on days that i know that they're having a bad day or working extra hard i take them out to lunch i do different things where it's like you know i know a couple of these guys have been here forever um you know i'll go out and you know take them out individually or get them like raincoats because or well back it up one guy that he just he's like man i have my money spent on other stuff. He's got the money to do it. I went out and bought him 
work pants for the week. And the most appreciative thing, I went out of my way to get his size and did all that stuff. And it was cool. Like, and that's more heartfelt than just what we should be doing. Like I, I didn't have to do it. I felt like it was needed to be done because I want them to know that we give a shit. Yeah. Cause we do give a shit. We do. And, and it, it went a long way. Those little gestures and not saying that I have to look for those things and do it. It's just in my nature. I felt like, man, you got a hole in the back of your pants and you're only covering up with basketball shorts under it. That's not good. And, it's not just that one person. It goes for everybody else. Yeah, like, no, I mean, whether it's shoes the, to whatever. You've done shoes for everybody. You've done Ruth Chris for everybody. You've done um, taking them out. Yeah. Out of the town and, and and done all that kind of stuff. It's it's important. Yeah. It's important. Don't. I think the uh, people really mess up. And again, I'm speaking from my experience. So like, it may not apply to you all the time, but I think you, everyone will be better off. If you can go beyond the nine to five and get the buy-in after five o'clock to go do something special that they wouldn't normally do, that's huge. Like that means a lot. We all have stuff going on. Our time is precious. It's, you know, we like to think that, you know, just because I own a roofing company or you're the manager of a roofing company that, you know, we got too much stuff going on at home or, or whatever that we can't do anything else. But we can, you know, and so take that time and go spend it with uh, the people that either A, are going to make your life better, make you more money or bring more enjoyment out of your life. And so those are the guys that um, would clinically be at the bottom or whatever, um, the, the, the grinders for you. Take them out and show them appreciation. I don't care if you own a lawyer's office or whatever. Take the paralegals out afterwards show them a good time spend the money you yeah. can't take it with you um if you're a doctor the nurses i know a lot of times they do they're really good to them um if, if if whatever you know if you work at a restaurant you know um take the time and take all your people out go somewhere show them that you care outside of nine to five because anybody who thinks they're anybody shows them loved at work that hardly takes any effort at all you're already at work doing your job yeah. If you can show love after work, um, and when's most time that they need you because like, you know, nine to five, you can forget about your problems at home. Um, after five o'clock, that's when the real world sets in the, the harder world, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're there for them after that, when you clock out, that will speak so hugely to who you are as a person and, and who you're trying to be and, and what you're trying to accomplish. Like if, if you're wasting your time, um, doing, we're having a luncheon today to show you how much we appreciate you guys. Guys, I understand if you don't have the money doing and stuff, but if you have the money, you know, do something special. Like I remember like, I mean, it was just weeks ago that, uh, um, I did a baby, uh, gender reveal for Zach and I got a motherfucking helicopter to land in my front yard. And before that drop pink powder in the, in the air, Mm -hmm. You know, and invite all of his friends over and bought $500 of Coney Island. You know, that's that's what's important. That is what's cool. Yeah, he's my friend. And I, you know, if he wasn't even working here, I would do that, too. But like, it's even more that, you know, uh, he works for me and, and I show him love like that's yeah. that's super important. And like, I would do that for a lot. We got a guy driving a car right now um, because his car broke down. 
Um, two of them. I mean, we got uh, one that you gave your personal car to. Your personal car. Yeah, you have a company truck. You gave them your personal car. So I'm going to drive around. I give them my personal vehicles. Um, that speaks so hugely to what kind of person, what kind of manager you are. Because you probably made it to that manager level um, because you're probably a stronger person. I'll say it. You know, like takes a different the people that are strongest usually rise to the top. We have the outliers are just sketchy people and, you know, that lie, cheat and steal their way to the top. But the, usually I would say the the better people rise to the top. The people that have their shit together, you would say, rise to the top. As much as we can do, I get, you know, not too much credit. You yeah. have, well, no, I mean, like, I want to be honest. I yeah. mean, like, you know, like there's a reason why some people succeed um, where others, where others fail, you know, and you may not have your, I mean, I remember a time where I didn't have my, I mean, I, my own dad fired me from everybody. My yeah. own dad fired me. Everybody's from got a story. Yep. Everybody's got a story like that. I mean, probably not get fired from their own dad, but everyone's got their story. What you learned a lot from it? I learned a lot. I learned a lot from it, but it made me stronger, you know, and things like that. He knew what he was doing. So, <laughs> so not only to just, just show everybody that you're stronger, cause that's one thing. And maybe that's why you're the best uh, person making pizzas um, and you're the manager now because, you know, you work so hard and you make the best pizzas. Um, or you have, you're a delivery driver and you're just so efficient with your time and you just, you bust your ass getting those loads undone and you're out of there and you're home every weekend and that's why you get paid the most per mile or whatever like that. Find a way to give back to the people around you that make a difference, and I promise you it'll come back tenfold. Oh, 100%, because you see those memes. It's like you work so hard only for, you know, your owner to buy a Lamborghini, and what did you see out of it? Paid vacation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that. it's just it burns them, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how, like, you feel about it. It's how they feel about it because they're looking – outside in not saying that they're any less or whatever it's just they don't know how much work physically mentally you put to get to where you're at and you shouldn't have to explain it but the best way to make sure everybody feels important is to share it and that's what you do best at and i i talk about it a lot on how much time and effort you put towards our outings like our you know anniversary to our combat ops night. And I, I tell my guys, I'm like, hey man, this is, we we are here to set up for your families and your significant others to show appreciation, to put up with you putting these long hours in, all that good stuff. Let's pay it forward and allow you to have a night on us. And it's it's awesome. And health, not to mention the Christmas party. That's insane. That's the Christmas just- party. Rivals anything. It gets better every year. I got invited to it, and people were looking at me like, "What are you here for?" Like, I, I know you invited me on, and I was, I, I just, I, I'm deeply appreciated that you invited me on to share the experience. And yeah, you came to even when you didn't I work didn't here. Work here, and everybody's like, "What are you doing here?" And then they asked, and it was funny. But I, I understood from there the culture, and it was just, it's, it was very beautiful on to see like what gets done during those things and it's it's kind of just i don't know it, it brings the kid in you that when that time comes you get giddy 
and you go all out and like, hey, go man, what, what I want to do? Bro. And you did it. If I was 18 years old and someone handed me a multi-million dollar company, how would you run it? I'm like, this let's way. go. <laughs> yeah. Let's yeah. go. Let's go get $50,000 worth of prizes and hand them out. Yeah. There's it's, money left over. It's awesome. I can't I take it, it with me. I don't need any more money. I see the guys talk about it all the time that one of my guys won a 70-inch TV. What is it? What month are we in? June? He's still got his 46-inch TV behind that 70-inch TV. -uh. He hasn't moved it yet. <laughs> yeah. He talks about it all the time because it's funny. It's you know so he's not using the big he's one he's using or it he it's it in front of it's in front of the 40 inch oh, tv geez. he had on the table he's like whatever so it's it's hilarious so it's the memorable stuff that you're able to share and you know bring out to these guys and a lot of these guys haven't been exposed to that stuff and you know hopefully they can do it on their own and that's what we're trying to you know convey as like an opportunity to be and there's more to life than just grinding all until you till you die um you know there's a better opportunity for us to be here and there's a lot of growth and just different things for us to move forward i think you do a great job i want to point out um you do something so much better than me um because work is my life you know like i would love to say that you know family is most important and, and it is but you know or friends or you know other you have a specific tick or, you, you have know, a specific like tick like, i that. am yeah. driven like none other but you do a really great job of putting in the extra hours but also clocking out and doing whatever makes you happy or your family happy and i really I, I really find that interesting because i can't switch off if I'm not doing anything, I'm doing work. If I'm at home and there is an hour lull between the baby's taking a nap or something, I'm like, I'll just go to work for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you balance the work-life schedule with such a demanding job? It's tough. We've had our ups and downs and definitely had to set the right expectation on what's to come, why we're doing it. Um, you know, it's a lot of it's a lot of selling why I'm doing it. The why is the biggest thing, you know, what we're in it for. Uh, just the freedom of being able to, you know, make the money that we made grinding 70 hours a week and still maintaining that. We have goals. We have all kinds of things to get our kids where we need to be. And I think that's a, a good selling point for the household. And, you know, it's it takes a lot of having a good partner, too, and understanding yeah. that. It's not a lot of people are like that. Not a lot of partners are willing to accept that, hey, uh, I'm going to be gone for like 80 hours a week. Don't expect me. If they don't have the right expectation, it's really hard to do that. I mean, at, at some point, like, and God bless her, she would balance the salon. And like, I never touched a thing, not to dishes, not to laundry, not to even the lawn. Like she did it all because she knew what I had to do every day to put even, you know, just to sacrifice, even, you know, Truth be told, we kind of put our lives on the line, and she gets that. Because we're up there, sometimes shit happens, whatever. She appreciates that. Well, once you find someone that appreciates what you do, there's no stopping you. So then follow-up question, and uh, I think we run into this a lot, so want to talk about it. We've had people that 
the spouses ruin a lot of jobs um, or a lot of opportunities for people, especially the talented ones, because of the neediness or the because of they don't see the same dream and same picture. Um, how do you paint a picture for your loved one, um, whether it be your mom, your girlfriend, your wife, your family, um, your kids? How do you paint a picture when you go? Let me, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put all my chips. I'm all in on this. We're going to go one spin. Mm -hmm. I'm going to put all of my chips in this. How do you get them to go, I get it, do what you got to do, make it happen for us, I'll see you in a couple of years? So, and I think you've put that, you've shared that perspective also in a way. Um, it, it really all depends what you're willing to fight for, what your end goal is. Um, exploit the struggles. That's the biggest thing. Like, you know, look at us now. What did it take for us to get here? Like how much that we had to sacrifice to get here or have to sacrifice and, you know, and kind of paint the picture of the end game on what it would be like financial freedom is everybody's goal. And, you know, watching you go through it, it it's, it's kind of a Cinderella story that most people can't gravitate towards because of, man, like I, my heart broke when you talked about Roscoe's birth, like to know that, man, if it were me, I'd be fucked. Yeah. I'd be totally fucked. But to know that, man, you can take off a whole year to take care of him and cater to him and be there for your family. That's something you can't trade in. Yeah. You're buying time. You know what I mean? And and I think you said it too. If you can spend three years in jail to know that you're set for life. Yeah. I, love I would totally I, do I, it. I, I love doing that theory of like, you know, um, because it just you know, it, it transcends like the actual stuff. Like if you knew that you could sacrifice three to five years of your life to be financially set forever, would you do that? And there's so many people that think that they would do that short term faced with the thing that they wouldn't do it. Like, I don't care what you do. If you find a way to exploit, um, the openings, the, the opportunity that you have in whatever business thing, or you see something, Go do it and, and, and go send everything to it because if you don't, you're probably A, going to regret it. I've, I've noticed that um, of even past things that I've done. I was like, oh, I could have actually been like the best chef or I could have been blah, blah, blah. You know, um, ex exploit, put everything on the line. There's some people that when it comes down to it, it's like family is always going to be more important. They'd rather clock in and do their 40 years of work and then retire and you know live modestly and do all that kind of stuff i love that mm -hmm. i love that at the same time if you feel like you're at a precipice you know if you feel like you're made to do if you feel like you have a calling at some point and it doesn't have to be this laissez-faire I want to work for myself and be my own boss. That is such a, a cliche a story that has been sold yeah. to you. Mm -hmm. It's so much harder than what you think. It's so much harder. I'm not a, like a white privileged guy being like, it's don't want to be me. You know, I'm not saying that it worked out for me, but I'm saying like, if, if you have a, a dream and you have a way to attain that and all you have to do is sacrifice years, do it. Do it. Sacrifice everything. I've sacrificed a marriage. I've sacrificed houses. I've lived in a trailer 
owning a multi-million dollar company because I knew that I was destined to do this and I'm putting all I'm all in. I'm all I just took no time for myself, any of that stuff, let everything fall by the wasteland. I was gonna make sure this company took care of me and I took care of it. And it has. From day one, if you if you have any mechanical inclining or if you're really good with computers or if you're if you just have something like flooring or if you I mean your girl is so many talented in so many different things, but like, like interior decorating, people are willing to pay her to go all the way to Georgia to decorate an Airbnb. Put everything off. Do put in everything into that. Do if someone's willing to do that, there's other people out there. Do that. If you possibly can, do it. If you think you can't, get around people that can tell you that you can and listen to their advice. That's very important. You get around people that are going to experience it with you because a lot of folks will give you the the bad the bad juju that you don't deserve and you take that for granted or no you don't take it for granted you you take it and run with it and it ruins your whole path of wanting to do good for yourself and it's just it goes along with everything the people that has never walked in your shoes or have no desire to take your path give you that fucked up impression that this is how you should be now i'm I'm not going to do that. And this is how I need to be. Yeah. Be you. And I'm glad you brought up your path. It reminded me of something that, you know, you've, you've instilled in me and I've, I've taken it to a whole nother level. Pride is something that's made up. Oh my God. So made up. I've never talked about it on the podcast before. It's so I made up talking about it. So made up. It pride is a thing that you've instilled in yourself that is based off other people's shit. Other people's shit. You lived in a fucking trailer where there was nothing here. And I remember you telling me about, like, you had to get a bucket of water to flush the toilet. Here you are. You know what I mean? Like, the shit that you had to go through, most people be like, no, whatever. And kind of goes along with some of my guys. And I say that they're privileged because their cars broke down. They can't get here. They're late to work because they can't find a ride. Guess what? Be privileged enough to not have to take the public transportation bus because you've never fell in that category you've done well enough for yourself to not get to that level let's continue that and drive forward and just be thankful for even your car broke down and you still have to find a ride that's okay but you find your resources i find that the people that are on that's getting held back the talented people that get held back their main source, if it's not their spouse or anything like that, is pride. Mm-hmm. It's such a hard. It's thing a hinder to swallow. I've when I let go of my pride, like my life got better, my friends got better, my family got better, my work life got better. Um, because it's so much easier to be the same person all the time. Like the mm-hmm. same person. Like if you're going, what are these like off the podcast? Do the same fucking dude. The same fat white privileged dude it's the same all the time like you if you can give up that i'm this dude and this is i'm doing good at this and i'm gonna be the best you know you blah, have to blah, upkeep blah. that facade and it's oh not my good god it's, not good. it's such i've watched you close hindrance. deals i've watched you close deals like broker deals i've watched you deal with people and i've seen all the pride go away because you handle it like a g like it's it's very admirable. It's I love so much seeing it. Easier to be be on the level, just mm-hmm. to be on the level. Pride. That's it. I've seen it. There's a there's a competitor in town, 
and he really would be so much further on if he had someone tell him like dude you don't have to do Eagle this out. you just Eagle. be you don't have to drive the brand new Ford Raptor you don't have to buy all the motorcycles you don't have to to have Wolf of Wall Street posters in your office and tell everyone that you people you're the are king gonna go why can't I have like that <laughs> you know like, where's all the money going yeah that's if you just let go of pride you know um you'll be so much more successful and it it's like it's even hard to explain like how it will impact you but let's just say on a, on, the, on the lowest tier clean the bathrooms on the lowest tier mow the grass um whatever they think is the lowest part of your company go get the coffees um go sweep the floors do that kind of stuff because it fills a need and it's what people want you're making the next level happy whatever you do and then people can count on you for being that guy you're not the dude i'm i'm just coming in here and i'm doing x you know like if you let's say you i work like you subway a lot for some reason i don't even eat subway <laughs> but like let's say like you make the sandwiches and then someone goes well our dishwasher called off like, i don't do wash dishes bro like that's i'm a sandwich artist bro like I make this art happen. That's holding you back. That is such holding you back. You want to run shit. You actually want to run shit. Do everything. Mm -hmm. Do everything. Don't pigeonhole yourself to one thing. Like you're you're really good about that too. I mean, like you'll do anything. You don't care. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Sometimes I find myself I have to quote unquote flex my abilities and i have to show them that i didn't just get here by just correct like, reading you a didn't book. fall into this no like there's I, no college for this yeah there's a reason why you're learning what you're learning because i went through all this stuff and like if i have to show you by doing it i'll do it and i did that in sales um so it's a great story i did i talk about this all the time and i have a lot of stories when it comes to this side but Lawyer's everybody always up. Uh -oh. everybody always wanted to challenge me on my abilities to sell stuff and you know i read numbers I, stats that was my thing on seeing like your abilities what your max out is and all that good stuff and i was selling phones at the time and quota for phones for new ads were like 30 35 and per one month. per month per month and I, I got moved up to assistant all that good stuff and um one of my reps that just hot shot driven just said oh, i'm gonna smoke you this month i'm like go ahead that's fine and he didn't tell me that he had a walk-in from the school that wanted 17 lines and i was like okay your best month was 56 phones and you got 17 lines or let's say 50 phones 17 lines you would wind up at you know 67 phones at best because i know your abilities my average month was 80 phones I could do that in my sleep. So I go, hey man. And I was doing this to more encourage him and get him to go above his means or whatever. Because you didn't uh, have to sell phones. I didn't have to sell phones, but I, I, I had it. So I jumped in and I go, hey man, I'll bet you my commission check that you won't beat me. And I threw it on the line. Now he's like, no, I don't know about that. And I Thousands go, of dollars. $5,000 a month. Jesus Christ. On average, easy. And I go, I'll bet you my commission check. He's like, no, I won't do that. I was like, I'll even make it sweeter. You don't have to lose a dime. Just try. He lost to me by 11 phones. 
because my average was a lot greater than his and I knew what his abilities were capped out at on top of the 17 phone laydown. I just knew that I had him and I, I gave him every bit of motivation to do that, but he didn't take it. Not everybody would do the same. And pride will get you in a weird spot. Yeah, it did. And I was he hoping try to knuckle up on you. And then I called him out and then he backed off and I knew I had him. And then I said, Hey, I'll tell you what, you don't have to forfeit anything. You can just take my commission check. If you beat me, never did, never did. So it's just, it goes to show who's willing to put in that, that extra grit to do it. And he showed me who he was and that sucks to see, but you know, not everybody's going to do that. So you got to accept it. Yeah. No, I mean, like I can ask you questions that aren't rehearsed. Like who cleans the floors in the factory? You or me? (laughs) Who who details the cars? You or me? (laughs) So like it, it doesn't matter. The things that make you no money um are sometimes the most important things and this is where pride comes back to us yeah don't well i mean like there's pride and there's bad pride like don't i want my guys to be in a clean box rock and not smell like dirty socks you know i want i want my guys to appreciate what we have i want the customers that come in here to look at our factory and go this is the cleanest factory that i have ever seen and it is it's yeah, the cleanest factory. You I, prep I, for the unknown. You never know if they're going to show if up. You, if you live in the area, come come see the factory. Like I, yeah, I promise a, you that it will be. Everybody that comes in. And it's because I cleaned it. It's because I cleaned it, and we're going to do it, and we're always going to keep doing it. That's a level of shit that I, I, I do. Like, don't just go, well, I'm not going to do that because I'm this manager. X I'm or whatever, this, yeah. I'm this position. I'm president CEO. I'm not going to. You will always find that the people that are the most successful. I always watch Undercover Boss and I'm like, I can't even relate to this because those dumb sons of bitches that are like CEOs and, and, and presidents and, and board members that go on that show and they like learn how to make donuts or they learn how to sell surfware or they whatever they're whatever they're trying to get into, they have no fucking clue. Not a clue. How to do any of that stuff. Like, you see them struggle as part of the show. It's like, well, what uh, how do you use this mop? What an idiot doesn't know how to use a forklift or whatever like that. You're like, bro, how did you get there? Mm-hmm. You know, how did you get there? Like, that's amazing to me. Because yeah. I don't know anybody that I surround myself with that doesn't know how to do all that stuff. Yeah. I know people that aren't the best at those things, like me. I know I'm not the best at running front office stuff. I know I'm not the best marketer or the best salesperson um, or the best person at manufacturing or the best installer or anything like that. I know how to do it. Yeah. You know, I, I like, how did you get there? Like, that's amazing. You bring a great point up because a lot of folks that like thrive on the fake it till you make it, there's someone that's going to smell your bullshit. Yeah. Someone. Doesn't matter. And then once they smell your bullshit, they'll exploit it to everybody. Yeah. And then you'll have nothing again. Nothing. You'll have nothing again. Mm -hmm. Do everything exactly how you would want it, even if you don't get paid for it. Yep. Even if you don't get paid for it. And that's such a hard thing. Go the extra mile. I don't care if you're cleaning hotel rooms or doing whatever. Like, you go above and beyond. Be the best at it. Put your eyes on the next spot. You know, Mm -hmm. put your eye. If that's not what you want to be, you know, put your eyes on the next spot. But, like, do... The net, whatever they're else doing, find a way to do a little bit better. Find it. There's always something. I promise you there's always something. And I, I teach this to my guys a lot, and I learned this throughout the sales, but just even teaching my guys to 
show me that you're better than the next guy because that will help me put that highlighter on you and know that to watch you to embrace and keep building you up. Um, it's called don't drop the baby. I've learned this like throughout the years. Uh, it's don't drop the baby is a prop propositional value term that, you know, uh, you have a baby in your hand and you got to step a ladders or a, a, a series of ladders to climb. But in order to get to the next step, you have to make sure your footing secure and take that next step. Like if you don't have all your eggs in a basket, all your stuff that you've learned or you had to do or all the chores you had to put forward, don't take that step. Wait till you get all your shit done before you take that step. Because if you take that step and it's soft, you're going to drop the baby. And that's a I big like that. thing. That's the big thing that I've learned to where, like, if you're asking for a raise, you're asking for anything that's worth a shit and you have zero propositional value, don't ask. Like, you feel that you deserve this raise. And I have a guy, I had a guy ask me for a raise when he no call, no showed. How is that going to play into that factor? You dropped the baby. You dropped the fucking baby. You, you dropped the baby. You dropped the baby hard. And it's just, it's one of those things that we're like, it, it you know, it, it's very important to build yourself to have credit on being able to have that conversation. If you try to have that conversation and you're either a deadbeat or a turd or whatever, it's hard to believe you. Yeah. You, you're full of shit. You know what I mean? Like you have a lot of cats that come in and out of here that like, man, how did you make it in life without living in jail? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, amazing. It's amazing. Like a lot of these guys skate through life that should be spent in jail for the rest of their life. And not saying that that's a bad thing, but they were just, they chose the right path or the wrong path every time. And it's just, whether it's right or wrong for them, that's what they believe. And that's just, it kind of sucks because everybody's just trying to make better for themselves and they're just getting in the way. They get in their own way, mm, for sure. Yeah. yeah. For sure. What's the number one reason we fire people here? Oh, that's tough. There's a series of things of either complacency or they don't buy into what we're here for. Because whether they want to believe it or not, they always compare it to their old jobs. Why they quit their old jobs. They always bring it on. And I, I try to do my best on showing them why we're different. And, you know, please don't compare us to why you quit your last job or why you didn't thrive or why they were mean to you or whatever now, i try to give everybody the benefit of the doubt and give them a second chance if you will because a lot of folks are getting second chances are coming here and you know if they can't cut the second chance it's really hard to just say hey man i i'm gonna keep carrying on with you so i fire him and like hey man this is this is not the forum to grow with us and they understand it they get it and it's disheartening at the same time. It takes a little bit of, of me out to it because I'm I'm a very passionate person. I try to soft. Yeah, whatever, soft if you will. But I feel like it's a it's an important trait. I I do have to work on that soft side a little bit. But it, I I feel like it's a adversary for me that it it helps me out on getting in touch with everybody, and you know balancing that out is tough. Um, yeah, that's the only area that I, I feel like I need to work on. It's just, it's, I, I buy in too much of their bullshit. Yeah, it's very, your why and what you're doing this for has to be stronger than whoever you're leading. I agree. Yep. 
if you if you let them take over um, and destroy your why, and and they don't buy into your why, it's gonna be very hard to keep that relationship up. Oh yeah, and I don't care who you are mm-hmm. or what you do, it's 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 gonna be hard. The buy in for you has to be real, and if it's not, don't do this. Whatever you're gonna do, don't do it. If you're like, I'm gonna be a carpenter, I'm gonna make the best cabinets. You're like. Mm-hmm. I hate cabinets. I really don't want to do cabinets, and I hate working my hands. All don't don't do that because when you try to hire people to work with you, they're gonna sniff that out, um, and they're not gonna buy in. That being said, if you're the most passionate cabinet, don't hire anyone that's not super passionate about working with their hands and crafting custom cabinets and doing that kind of stuff. Like, make sure that their why is in line with what they're doing. You know, um, we talk a lot about like what's important to our employees and like. Whether it be flexibility in schedules, whether it's like the uh, in-house promotions, things that we do, whether it's making a lot of money, working a regular forty-hour work week, work, you know, versus a forty-hour work week, or you know, back and forth, um, you know, like we want to make it work for you, but you have the only people that make it is the why is correct. They come correct, and they go, they either do it for me, or they do it for you, or they do it for the company, um, and and they carry that on their shoulders. You know, if, if you're having trouble hiring people, a lot of the times it's going to be because you're not hiring these people that have the same dream. Like, if they, if they, it's going to be so hard. I mean, it's so hard. You're going to have jobs for, like, McDonald's, you know? Like, it's going to be hard to find people that are super passionate about making food every 30 seconds for a new person. You just need money for a car. You just need, you just, <laughs> dude, you just need money to, so you don't have to live with your mom anymore. Yeah, like, right. I get it. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that, but if, if, if they're doing it for the wrong purpose, it's, it's so hard to keep those. It's why a huge turnover. Have you been through a drive through lately? Oh, have you ever got the same person? It's, it's so hard. rare. It's so hard. It's so rare yeah. to have the same person because it's, I mean, you almost have to expect the low quality you, you do because the, the why is not the, you the know, the reason the, the why is not there. You know, it's not the same message that they're, they're giving to everybody. Mm-hmm. Find something that. If you find yourself working at an RV factory or doing something that just doesn't, uh, it doesn't give you great pleasure doing it and things like that, don't do that. There's yeah. other jobs. I promise you whatever you're getting paid, you can do other stuff. Go be a welder. Go do, I don't know, go work on oil fields. If you detail like, cars. Detail cars. Yeah. Do whatever. I got Let's a guy that detail cars for $100,000 a year. Yeah, he's awesome. You know, like do whatever. I don't care. Like there's so many different jobs that you could do. Put yourself in an uncomfortable position. That comes back to the pride thing. Put yourself in uncomfortable positions. If you don't like where you're at, do something else. Mm-hmm. You will eventually find something that you will be either good at or you will like to do that will carry you throughout the rest of the things. I mean, it's just you can be a good person. You can, you know, you can like different things. And, you know, but like eventually you're going to have to find something you know, that you're going to like to do. Don't be 50 years old and regret working at a job for 30 years that you don't like. And we've met those people before, like the people at the factories, the big ones. And we won't name them. Yeah. Obvious reasons. But, like, if their heart's not in it and they just can't leave because the benefits or they're not they're worried they won't get the same that's pay. That's all they knew. That's all they knew. You're going to turn this screw. You're going you're gonna to fasten this bolt. You're going to do this tire. You're going to attach the steering wheel, whatever the, whatever the mm-hmm. thing is. You're gonna do that forever, and in 30 years, you're gonna be like, oh, I had so much else to give back. You know, if you're like, hey, I want to have good benefits for my family, and uh, and I want to 
be home every day at five o'clock and whatever and you know go catch my kids baseball if that's what's most important that's fine i support that 100 percent. but if it's not what you love to do it's probably going to outweigh the, the the minor conveniences of of, of doing all yeah. that and that's why i've tried to tell other people that work here is like you know be the nine to five guy if you just want to do a good job and go home that's fine but it's certain people that you see coming in they're like hey do you got anything else to do i can work on the truck i can clean i can blah blah and like those are the people that usually uh off the clock that are kind of probably do a little bit better just generally because like the mindset is different that's how we are yeah that's how we are. I can't tell you how many times that, I mean, I'm here every day, but like, I can't tell me how many times I've just seen you here and been like, what are you doing here? Like, oh, I'm doing some stuff, you know, me and the wife are just out and we're not, we're yeah. doing stuff here, whatever, you know, like that's, that's so huge. Like if you don't have to be at work and you're at work, like someone's going to notice that eventually, you know, and if they don't leave, yeah. you know, leave, go do something else. Yeah. If we bring it back to roofing. Let's talk about, uh, you know, switch gears a little bit. Um, we talked a lot about uh, good and bad stuff with uh, employees and outlooks and stuff. Let's talk a little bit about um, what are the most problems that you find or the hardest things to overcome in installing a roof? Oh, yeah. Puts you on the spot. Yeah, I... Problems, I... First-time problems or just, like, problems in general, I... I mean, every what every, houses are the hardest? Let's put it that way. The houses are the hardest are the high pitch ones because it's really hard to keep your balance, and everybody's got to get roped off, and it takes a little bit more time for balance and carrying these fifteen plus foot panels to balance and you know even grip. That's probably the hardest. Um, you know, the steep pitch obviously that's the only one, and a lot of these folks that I bring on they're afraid of heights. I mean, I was one afraid of heights and I felt like that was one of the things that I overcame quickly because it was all in my head. You know, I had a handful of fears and I tell my guys all the time, like there's the fears that you can overcome. You'll just be able to run through life with ease, without any concerns, whatever. My three things that I was afraid of, deathly afraid of, because it was instilled in my head from other people guns motorcycles and heights i've overcame every single now one of those. you yeah you're the most red-blooded american i've ever met in exactly my life. i keep that thing on me yeah i own a harley and i roof like it's it's one of those things to where like man i let people dictate what i truly enjoy like i enjoy the roofing side of it because i like feeling that I'm very few amount of people that would be willing to do that and do it well and show people how to do it. It's even better because I can, you know, exploit to them things that they were shown or they are shown that no one else will show them. Um, no one comes out of high school going like, I want a roof because everybody talks shit about it. It's not, somebody's got to do it. No one says, Hey, you got to be a garbage guy, but someone's got to do it. Someone, has great gratitude for doing those things and there's has there's a place for everybody in every aspect of it there's no downgrading of any job that's out there i love being able to say like hey man the rotor rooter guy is coming over to clean out all the backed up shit for fucking three miles worth like that guy i applaud you 
You know what I mean? Like, and to some degree, he enjoys it because he knows that at the end of the day, he helps somebody out or she. You know what I mean? Just the roofing side is just, it's, it, it brings a different level of joy to me because I can show these guys how to survive, thrive, and make a great living at it. Yeah, I think there's two things that you really like about it, and I'm just speaking from, mm -hmm. from outside looking in. One, the transitional value of you literally like giving uh, talent to dudes that um, need, uh, need, need a skill. Right, so if you if you flip burgers or if uh, if uh, if you are a painter or you did something that was just like, dude, do this and and this will be the product. Like, if you want skilled labor, like you're taking people that are unskilled and making them skilled. You love that. You love teaching them to be like, dude, this is what you do now. This is this is who you are and what you can do. You live here now. Yeah, you you <laughs> live here now. Don't leave. Um, two, the finished products. Like, yeah. I know that some part of you loves completing things oh god all my guys look at the house at the end of the day like i did that shit so much better i did that shit it's awesome i i felt that and i wanted to share that with everybody if you don't feel that man i'm gonna have to consider why you're here just i love that shit uh, that's why like going into it man this is the shit show of a house we gotta tear off so many layers and just wait just wait, let's go through the process. And people don't understand and they give up so quick on the process. The process is what everybody's always intimidated by. And just showing that and delivering it, people eat that shit up. Like, so before this it. iPad dies, yeah. what does it take to get a house to go from like that to this? Man, it's a... Uh, it's a mix of both, man. It's uh, just we got, you know, different levels of people inspecting it, going through it. Um, obviously, we have our salespeople showing on, you know, why they need it, because obviously it's going to leak and it's going to, you know, wear their house out over the years. And the home is always the biggest investment for anybody. And it's just your home is where you hang your hat and the home is where you feel comfortable and you know, you thrive and reset and all that good stuff. But, um, you know, our, our people that go out and check out the house, you know, they, they show that, hey, man, let's educate you a little bit and let's show you that dude, your roof is not up to what you need it to be to continue on with this. And I, you know, I'm very appreciative of the grit of the canvassers going out it's crazy dude it's the canvassers are just like the the spam calls that are coming out those guys need all the accolades they it just it's i i can't speak to it enough um so but those guys it starts it, out canvassers go out there and find this roof that is in dire need of repair dire need yeah it's, and then we knock on the door and then a salesperson comes out and uh, informs them on the best products and, and what we do here. And then you guys show up and do some boss level stuff. Yeah, we, we, we know what's going into it. So we know that we have to deliver the best experience that the customer can have. Like, and, you know, I once we get there, I, I usually call them, you know, a couple of days before and chat with them a little bit. Any questions, concerns, you know, and they talk about, well, this is happening as far as like we got the dish back here or where the materials at or if they pulled in all the accessories in we get it all ironed out so we're like a team when we go into it so the customers and our group are totally in unison on the same so page, yeah. it's great 
So when we get there, we're welcome the minute we get there. There's a lot of folks that it's crazy to hear and see, but a lot of folks, they get cookies off for us. They get drinks. They get a Keurig out there set They're up for excited. us. They're excited. They're excited. And they know what it means to them. So uh, just showing our guys to know what it means to the customers that, man, you're making our home secure and protected. You can't take that away from anybody. And just putting that on and making it not only protected, but beautiful. Shit, they can show it off to their friends. And it's just game over. Because, you know, when you buy a house like that, that's a beautiful home. Beautiful property. You show off to your friends. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. You show off to your friends, you take a lot of pride in that, and we got to be able to back that up. If we shit the bed, man, they put all their chips in there just for only for us to shit the bed. That's not cool. So we do our absolute best to make sure we know that we're going to deliver the best experience ever. And hell, we could you know, be subpar at installing it and be slow and all that good stuff, but as long as we... Like connect with the customer and move forward they will understand why we shit the bed as far as like obstacles as far as replacing the wood or having to fur shit out and do all that good stuff they understand because if you have to fur it out before they even know what's going on they question it and it's the biggest thing that i run into like why you gotta fur it out my house is yeah perfect. a lot of times you'll show up to the house and it won't be as directed it's not and you have to think on on the fly of how to get the best um service to the customer because a lot of times um you'll have chimney like hey man you're gonna need to get this chimney repaired or your house isn't straight like mm -hmm. it's gonna look messed up with what panels on here or hey you have more layers than originally quoted or blah blah, blah. and then you overcome that so quickly and, and conversate with the the customer so that they are underneath the same impression that you are and they can uh be up to date on all the things that you're doing and i think that's such a huge part of doing what we do, our metal roofing process is just like we will overcome the obstacles um, either through the custom manufacturing that we do here in house or the stuff that you guys figure out on the job site. You guys will get that job done to the best of your abilities every single time. Yeah. You know, no matter how many times it takes to come out and, and, and take a shot at it. Yeah. And the biggest thing I share with all my guys, you got to learn how to relate. If it were you, how would it go? And I, I say this a lot and I, I share this a lot and even going back to, and I know I, I refer it back to my cell phone days, um, you know, a lot of people can't relate to a $300 cell phone bill. If you had to compare it to someone that's still living at home with their parents and only, you know, paying $50 for a cell phone bill, you don't understand yet. You know what I mean? How can you sell someone with a family at $500 and be confident about it if you haven't walked that walk? So I always try to paint that picture of like, hey man, if you own this house, and you wanted to put Christmas lights on, are you willing to accept what you just installed for this customer to see as they walked up here? Yes or no? If the answer is no, then second guess what you just did. So that's why it's important for me to always paint that picture when they're installing the roof. Because a lot of folks, they just install like it's a- We're gonna come out, we're gonna put a roof yeah, on, and then just, we're gonna leave. Yeah, deliver it, call it a day. But if you really feel like it's not that great, Think about him putting Christmas light, him or her putting Christmas lights on and looking at it and be like, dude, what the fuck did you guys do here? You got to be able to explain right. it. If you can't explain it, then don't do it. Um, I would like to make this uh, part of the podcast where if you have questions about metal roofing, if you have questions about installation, if you have any of that stuff, um, 
I'd like to know. I'd like to know what to talk about, and this is a good introduction to Mari and what he does. Absolutely. Um, and I really do think that we'll get into next time more of the certain aspects, like what we do differently than other people when when we're installing. Um, get more visual stuff going on so that way that use at homeowners can understand a little bit better about our process and the people that are in the game can either relate to or find other ways of doing stuff um, or they might even be running into the same problems that we are and how we overcame those. So if you have any of that stuff, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, any of that stuff, um, you can reach out to us uh, tell us what you want to go over in the podcast, and we'll address that. And uh, we'll give you the most up-to-date information that we can possibly do. Um, again, Mari, thank you for coming on here and Absolutely. talking about all your stuff. Um, it's always fun to hang out with you, and uh, we'll have you on future podcasts as well. This has been another episode of Laugh Your Way to the Top. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.